Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Kicking Butt Podcast. Today I'm joined by Carmen, who is an avant-garde art pop musician based in Liverpool. She's inspired by Japanese visual cave movement, 90s trip hop, industrial and other subcultures. Hello, Carmen. Hi. How are you doing? You okay? I'm good. Thank you very much for coming on today. I'm looking forward to having a bit of a NASA and hearing your music. Me on. It's all right. And of course, we're joined by Ella as well, who is from Where Are The Girl Bands. Hi, Ella. Hello. How are you? You okay? I'm good. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited for this little collaboration that we've got going on over the next few episodes. I think you guys are going to hear some really lovely music. So, Carmen. Hi. For people that don't know who you are and what you sound like, could you give me an example of like three artists that you think you sort of take influence from and are there any sort of stories or anything behind that? Behind um, each artist, I uh, number one first and foremost, uh, Björk. She's basically my god. I <laughs> I'm obsessed with Björk. I own um, literally. I have this weird thing you can buy that was like a limited edition merch thing where there's essays about Björk in it. Oh right! And I have read them all. I have quite an obsession with with her. Um, I have all her DVDs as well. Okay, what did you learn from the essays? Was there anything interesting? Um, basically, that she's just as amazing as I already knew she was, but even more, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I guess one of the biggest things I've learned from Björk is literally fucking nothing matters. Like when it comes to music, like right. the the more you treat it like you need to get everything right the less you're gonna enjoy it and thus the less it's gonna move people because if you if you're fussing about like i don't know say you, you don't think a lot of people are gonna like the song so you want to make it more commercial sounding and stuff then you've already lost <laughs> you've already <laughs> fucked up um but yeah stuff like that and then um also i mean as for a story about how I got into Björk I think my my dad um listened to Björk a lot when I was little um right. he showed first song I ever listened to of Björk was Play Dead which is a song um that I believe went alongside a movie and it's like an orchestral trip hop mix it's so but it's like it's got the trip hop beat yeah but it's so dramatic and so loud and impactful but it has these moments of like quietness and I think that that song massively influenced pretty much every song I've ever written because that concept of like tension and release and the loud and the quiet and the dynamic changes all, all those really important things from like for me when I'm writing or, or I'm producing and stuff um, all those things are in that song and also strings I use a lot of strings I love strings um and and the way that she sings, I'm also very influenced by um, the growling and the and the and the really powerful, yeah, overt loudness that's like unadulterated, mm. pure voice. I think that's that's something I really picked up from her. And yeah, I've I've been a fan of her for years and years. Um, for a second artist, I'd say Tori Amos. Um, I don't know if I know Tori oh Amos. Oh my god, gosh, you must know. She, she's an iconic woman. Okay. Um, so what's what's the vibe of Tori Amos? Like? Tori Amos is a very singer songwriter, but not in like the usual sense of because she was um, very big around the nineties. Most singer songwriter acts in the nineties were guitar and voice, but yeah. she was very she was a pianist, and she is one of the most amazing pianists just ever, just ever. Like if anybody wants to know how to really create extremely emotive music, you need to listen to Tori Amos. And also, if you're a pianist, you need to listen to Tori Amos. Um, her songwriting as well, She's she's got so many gut-wrenching songs, and they just, right. like, go right inside you and just do this with you. Oh, get you. Like, fucking that. twist you around and everything. <laughs> it's like it's like you've been through gestation. You, you go... You get, <laughs> You get, literally, it's like you've you've been eaten and then you've come out and you're a new you're a new thing. Wow! Like you're not the same. Oh my god! It's 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 she takes you on a journey to the point where you don't you know many, I mean from 
being someone who studies music at uni and stuff, a lot of us, one of the big things they make us pay attention to is song structure and what is strong song structure and what is weak song structure and all this stuff purely because, I mean, a lot of the shit they try and tell us is stuff to do with, like, what will get you on the charts and all that crap. But um, the, the thing about Tori Amos is you don't even notice the structure because it all just makes sense. Yeah. The whole thing. It you never feel like you're you're kind of awkwardly being thrown into something. It feels like you're having an epiphany. It that's how I describe it. It's it's it sounds like an epiphany. You are giving a hard sell for Tori. <laughs> I love Tori. I'm obsessed with her. There's a video of her um playing uh, with the pianos in a piano shop in England. Right. And it's the unbridled like um instinctive joy that she's getting from just messing about mm. on a piano and it doesn't have to make sense it doesn't have to be amazingly um classically correct she can play literally anything and it just sounds gorgeous and what, i guess the big thing i learned from tori amos as well is that you can play anything with intent and then mm. that makes it music it doesn't matter what the notes are or if it's out of tune or whatever if you've got intent then it becomes music. So, her. <laughs> <laughs> where, right, I'm, where would you recommend I start on the Tori oh, Amos? Um, Is there an album? Lit- Little Earthquakes. Little Earthquakes. Yeah. Um, you heard it here first, people. My favourite song on Little Earthquakes is uh, Pre- uh, Precious Things. That's what it's called, isn't it? Yes, Precious Things. Right. And also uh, Crucify. Crucify is an amazing song because it's just so... It's got so much passive aggressive attitude in it yeah it's it's just gorgeous but and precious things is so i've i've very rarely been able to find musicians that i relate to when i listen to their songs okay right but with tori amos and bjork are like the first ever musicians i listened to their songs and went fuck that's that's like i've been there i've you know especially with precious things precious things speaks so like heavily to the female experience especially if if you're a woman who grew up trying to do the whole please everybody look pretty be skinny you know be the queen of the fucking prom or whatever you know what i mean (laughs) like if you've been that woman you you will listen to tori Amos and you'll probably just have floods of tears or if you've ever been like a people pleaser or you've ever let people treat you in a way that you shouldn't have allowed them to, you're going to listen to Precious Things and you're going to break down and cry. You are. It's an amazing song. But third. (laughs) Third artist. I love how much passion you have for Tori Amos. That's great. If I ever meet her, I'm I'm just going to start crying. (laughs) But, yes. Um, Third artist. Oh, it's very difficult because they're all... I've got like so many contenders to fill up that trip hop um, section. Yeah. And I think I'll have, to, I'll have to go with Massive Attack. Okay. Massive yeah, Attack. Yeah. Um, the album Mezzanine. That album changed my fucking life. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm so like overly obsessed with stuff. But go on. Mezzanine is one of the most amazing albums of all time. Just point blank. That's a bold statement. I don't care. <laughs> It's one of those albums where you listen to it and there's no skips. There are okay. no skips. And you're on a journey the whole way through. I recommend go- getting the fucking vinyl and listen to it on vinyl and just sitting there and just taking it all in because it's actually so... Oh, it's it's so dark. Yeah. But it has these moments where, like, there's, like, light, but it's... Oh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, to me, when I listen to music, I'm, I'm kind of in a room. Okay. And, and, and the room that I'm in when I listen to that... That sort of, that uh, album is it's very dark, but there's like these lights kind of moving very slowly and they're quite dim. And there's these sprinkles in in the music that kind of like signify that kind of light just shining over and just moving across. And it's 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 so like y- you um it's one of those kinds of like albums where because it's dance music essentially because it's trip hop is like dance music but it's also like a whole thing of its own. Yeah. It's got that repetitiveness. It's got that groove. And you kind of... I mean, I don't know if you've ever listened to Tool. A bit when I was younger. It's kind of like the way that Tool does it, where it's kind of like keeping you on a hook and, yeah. and it's kind of... Um, it's 
oh, what's the word? It's not addictive, but it is addictive. It's like, you know, you're you're kind of strapped in for the ride. They've got you. Yeah. They've got you in a grip. Yeah, yeah. It's that. but So it's got that element of dance, but it's also got this like... Um, in in Japanese, it's called setsunai. Um, I'm trying to remember what the, what the what how you describe it. It's like this this bitter sweetness um, and uh, som- somber that is so like oh, I don't know how to describe it. It just hits you. It doesn't have to be super overtly sad or overtly anything, mm. but you just listen to it and you and you fucking know. Also, the song Teardrop is on that, and I don't, uh, you've probably heard Teardrop. A lot of people have heard Teardrop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it used to be on a, a hospital drama. <laughs> <laughs> but that song, um, the woman who sang that song, mm. um, she I believe she recorded that either after, I think after, um, she she was dating Jeff Buckley, oh, and she no that song was recorded after after his passing. Mm. And it's um, a lot of people. I don't know if she's ever said that it is. I've heard people mention that it is, but that it's about that or or that it's reflective of her feeling at that time and when you listen to it with that context it suddenly becomes such a, a like bittersweet um song it's like if you listen to it on its own you'd be like oh this is so ethereal and so pretty and then you realize it's got that context of losing someone mm. one of my favorite lyrics of all time is in that song. What's the lyric? It's, love is a verb. Love is a doing word. Ah, uh, yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous lyric. Because mm. that just encompasses what love is. Love isn't just like, oh, I just have love. It's a feeling. You're doing it. You are actively loving someone. And that's, well, uh, well basically, that album and and Massive Attack, uh, absolutely amazing album. Those were some solid answers, though. <laughs> I appreciate the detail. Going you. I'm going to go away and do some serious uh, to listen to this. <laughs> I can send you a playlist after. Please well. do. I've got a playlist. Please do. Just filled with stuff I'm obsessed with. Just throw that at me. I'm all about listening to you. <laughs> stuff. So, Ella, you've worked with Carmen before. Yes. You want to tell us a little bit about your guys' like relationship, what you've been doing, and also why you think Carmen's so fucking awesome? Because let's be honest, she is fucking awesome. Truly. Um, I feel like it was 2017, 2018, maybe. God, that, God was when, it? Yeah, when you first <laughs> sent over your initial EP. I was a baby. No, and do you know what? When you listen to that EP, with the knowledge of like having seen you perform now, you do feel like such like a a young like not fragile, but like I don't know. Maybe. It's it's so it's so interesting listening to it now because I remember um, when you first sent that over, it was like. A very sort of, you know, not not nervous, but mm. you were not sort of like demanding in the way you message us. Like we yeah. get a lot of people on girl bands messaging us like, hi, like, can you make some content for us? Like, etc. I remember Carmen messaged us and was like, I've just released this EP. Like, I'd really love to like hear your thoughts and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we always love listening to people's new stuff. But I just remember listening to it and being completely like what is this like what is this and um, the passion with which Carmen has just described all of those musicians is very much how I feel about Carmen and Carmen's music like all of the stuff you're saying about you know gut wrenching or just like feeling consumed by music Mm. I feel like you know you will completely understand when you listen to the live performance what I mean by that it's just completely transcendent and the things that you talk about in your music are topics which are so difficult to even think about and are things which like you said I think you know you can listen to music and really enjoy it but sometimes music just is a mirror to things that you've experienced in a way that feels really revealing as well to yourself and I feel vulnerable listening to Carmen's music I feel like I'm being exposed when I listen to (laughs) Carmen's music sometimes and it's just, you know, from every level, from the production to the lyrics to, you know, the vocals, just unbelievable. Like, I just wanted more. I just wanted, like, to yeah. work with Carmen and to, like, see more and hear more. And, you know, it's always a pleasure even just to talk about music. Like, obviously, you've just had a fantastic display of, like, <laughs> the passion and, and the wisdom and, you know, the care that goes towards music. And, yeah, I think we wrote up a little review 
and we were constantly watching out and seeing for any opportunity to work with you and Eve who I run where the girl bands with we will fight over making content about Carmen's music because we're both just like completely enamored and we had a Halloween gig in Birkenhead all right and the concept of the gig was that we wanted, rather than sort of basing it around genre, we just wanted people who had general kind of spooky vibes. Um, and Carmen, Carmen fits the spooky Straight vibes in. very well. Um, yeah. And it was just fantastic. Like, you know, I was a massive fan before, but I think your stage presence is just incredible. And like how you sort of drop into the feeling of the songs and everyone else sort of just like plunges in with you. Mm. And it was so nice because it was like, is the idea of the Halloween gig was that it was sort of like a party, like everyone came in costume. But I think when you were on stage, everyone just sort of like dropped into this like super intense like headspace yeah, and yeah. sound. And it's just incredible. And then your most recent EP <laughs> was just, I went completely overboard. Like for those who don't know, like on our Instagram account, we do sort of like interviews and features and reviews and when the EP came out, I was writing like full essay about each song. Like it's just incredible. And, you know, I think we're really passionate, obviously, about representing women in music. I think Carmen speaks about that in a really complex way yeah, about how, you know, your experience as a woman is so filled with these overlapping experiences and these sort of contrasting experiences and contradictory experiences and definitely that thing of constantly fighting against that people-pleasing instinct mm. and knowing that the way people treat you is wrong but also knowing that sometimes you fall into the habit of just like existing in that space where you are mm. being treated in a certain way and you are sort of like modeling yourself in a way that people want you to be and people want you to look and you know the things people want to hear from you and Codependent, I think, is a song which really encapsulates that of like, I feel like in the song you're constantly dipping in and out, in and out of like rejecting the experience and then like falling back into it and like mm. accepting it and then pulling yourself back out. And it's like, I feel like that's so true of the experience. It's something, you know, that's quite hard to speak about because sometimes you feel guilty about that, mm. about how like as as a woman you know in your relationships and also like in your career and in music you know sometimes you do just like drop into the standards that people expect of you yeah. or that are put onto you and then you like have this like sort of emerging from that which is quite painful and quite difficult and you know those are very difficult things to articulate sure. and it's hard for me to like summarize it in a nutshell and I think you do that in your music and listening to that for the first time I was like that's it do you know what I mean yeah and like that's always so incredible when someone voices an experience that you've never been able to voice yourself or even you know really visualize or like understand and then for someone else to like speak that to you through something which is also like so beautiful and so powerful it's just an amazing thing so any opportunity we have to like <laughs> show everyone yeah. <laughs> we will absolutely take it Thank you. awesome that was one hell of a sound yes <laughs> awesome no i mean i, I agree like I, like when you sent over like artists and suggestions for this like you were the first one i think you might have been the first one that i listened to i was like holy <laughs> fuck like if everyone is this fucking good i'm gonna have a fucking whale of a time <laughs> the music is so like visceral and like just i don't know it's all those things you were describing about like bjork and and Masterzak and like you sort of like drawn in mm. and you sort of like in in the space and you, you basically don't get out until the end of the song yeah. it's completely the same with like listening to music it was just so like uh different and i, I was just immediately drawn to it um <laughs> so well done you you're fucking nailing it Thank you. i think um after that kick-ass introduction we're going to go over to your live session now so people can hear what it's all about. So, people at home, enjoy Carmen's music and we'll be back to talk some more about it afterwards. See you in a second. Hi, I'm Carmen and today I'm going to be doing a session for you on Kicking Back Podcast in collaboration with Where Are The Girl Bands. Crackle like pigskin, make sure that shit don't slip from your lips then 
Open up the dustbin, throw your heels in It's time I taught you If I could write a million songs about one person I would Doesn't mean I should, but baby if I could Sleeping in a pool of blood to keep it cool Because it isn't worth crying over what I shouldn't uh, I never get what I want from love I never get what I want from trust Cloud cannot be touched A cloud cannot bleed 
Can you hear 
emotions Now you know I'd never leave you It's so hard to trust a person with the only good part of you I don't wanna be a victim I've been so humiliated That's why I've been out lately Why not take advantage of me? Instagram, I am Car uh, at Carmen twelve ten oh one. YouTube, I am just Carmen, and Spotify, I am also just Carmen, and all streaming services is the same. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to episode fifty four of the Kicking Butt Podcast. You've just heard a fucking delightful live session from <laughs> Carmen, our guest today. Well done, Carmen. Woo! Thank you. That was great. I really, really enjoyed that. Thank you. So, tell me about each of the songs that you did. Four songs, what they're about, how they came to be, all this stuff. Okay. Um, first song, I Never Get What I Want From Love. Blech, I hate saying the song titles. But <laughs> I Never Get What I Want From Love. Um, that song was one of... It's not... Yeah, it's, it's one of the first songs I ever wrote in my life. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I wrote that song when I was 16. I'm 20 now. Um, I basically, funny story, I wrote it in the bath. I was in the bath and I got the idea for that first phrase that, and because I was listening to Radiohead, you know, um, fucking, oh, which song is it? Oh my God, I've forgotten what song it is. <sighs> it's, um, okay, it's on OK Computer. Paranoid Android. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm probably wrong, but there's a lyric in it that's that says the crackle of pig skin, and I thought that was so clever because you know you can get pig cracklings at, at the supermarket. Yeah, but, yeah. But like it's the crackle of the skin, and I thought that was like, oh, that's so like gory. I love it. And I was just listening to that, and I was like, wait a hot minute, mm. and then something started coming to my head, and I was like, crackle like pig skin. Make sure that shit don't slip from your lips. That uh, and I was like, because I'm I'm just I'm just a rapper apparently. I've got, <laughs> I've got the rhymes, but in my head I was just like, that sounds sick. And I was in the bath, so I was like, shit. And then I got me phone, and I was literally on Google Docs, like out of the bath, writing the whole thing, and it was all just com coming together like in my head. And by the end of the bath, I had the whole song. And then I got out of the bath and then went and produced it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, basically the the song. Oh, 16 and 17. Those years of my life were not it, sis. They weren't. No. They were not. Happening. They weren't happening at no. all. They did not slap. Um, <laughs> 16 was the worst one, but um, it kind of bled into 17. Sure. Um, but um, that time I was uh, horrendously depressed. Horrendously depressed. Like... Depression to the point where you just can't fucking move. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? You're just paralysed. You're like, life is just going to fly on by. <laughs> I'm going to stay here and it's going to be fine, surely. For It was that. And then also um, I'd just gotten out of a horrendous relationship. Um, and it was that song's kind of how I felt after that relationship. It It kind of felt like... I throughout my life, people who were supposed to love me or protect me and care for me when were letting me down. Right, and that's where the I never get what I want from love thing comes from. And it's also quite a selfish kind of sentiment as well because it's kind of like this: I deserve that. I need, and of course everyone does. Mm. But when you're super depressed and you've got really low self-esteem, you don't actually believe that you do. So it, it's kind of this. This you feel like you're selfish because you don't be, you don't believe you deserve it. You feel like you're being demanding, mm. and that's where the I never get what I want. It's mine. It's, I should have it. Thing kind of comes from, and it's this kind of repetitive attempt at seeking validation from people who are never going to give it to you. And one of the hardest things in life to do is to make the realization that you don't need to keep waiting for them. That's that's one of the biggest things. Sure. Um, when it comes to like the verse sections and um, like the stuff surrounding the chorus, the main hook of it, um, it's very like 
oh, how would I describe it? It's um, kind of like this neurosis feeling where you're in a million places at once because you're so scatterbrained because of what you've been put through that you can no longer really place yourself. And like that that lyric about um, uh, pull my earrings out, break your windows and hide, it, uh, not even like I tried, I uh, left a trail of stones so that you can come find me. That lyric is kind of like that desperate attempt at getting someone to notice you. Mm. It's like pure attention seeking like I'm going to break your fucking windows and I'm going to make it so obvious that I've been here and I'm going to and I'm and if you don't follow me then what the fuck else is left that's yeah. kind of what it is mm. um and then in that bridge section where it's I don't get no love because I want too much because I need too much it's that kind of the the inner self-deprecation talking to you about how you feel like how you actually feel um, regardless of what you perceive to be your delusion that you deserve love, when you still do, but you think it's a delusion because you don't feel like you do. Um, <laughs> that that bridge section is the voice that's saying, like, I don't get love because I'm just too difficult to deal with. I'm just too much for people. I, I'm the problem. That's that's the tone of that sure. voice. And obviously the, the last part, as it trails out, is um, it's his fault he don't love me and then it's my fault he don't love me. It's that fuck you, fuck you, but on the inside it's <laughs> fuck me, I'm stupid and shit. But yeah, that's yeah. kind of what the whole thing was about. It was like, God, I've been let down throughout my whole life. Whether it was in romantic relationships, whether it was in my family relationships, I have been very let down. And um, that was kind of what the whole thing was about, essentially. Okay. God, that's Ooh. depressing. But hey. You got a fucking great song out Thank of there. <laughs> but yeah. Um the second song, Sleep. Sleep is a very strange song. Um sometimes I, sleep is too much for me. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, why the fuck did I write this? Um <laughs> basically, sleep came from a poem that I wrote um a couple of months before I actually turned it into a song. Okay. So that whole passage, the lyrics is formatted as a poem. And um, basically it was about, because um, I've got really bad sleep problems because of, I've got ADHD. I've got a lot of different diagnoses that go, kind of merge together. I'm autistic as well. Mm. Um, and I, I get really bad insomnia. And um, there was a period of time where when I did sleep, it would have to be, I'd have to exhaust myself before I could fall asleep. I'd be falling asleep at like 8 a.m., and then staying asleep till 6 p.m. and shit like that. Um, and during that sleep that I was in, I was having very peculiar dreams. Okay. But they were kind of like suffocating. Like I didn't feel like I had, you know, there's lucid dreams where you can like control what's happening in your dreams. Mm. It was kind of this weird mesh of I felt like I had agency, but everything was kind of just happening to me, like at me. I've got no clue what it all meant, <laughs> but I'm not one of those people that's like, what do my dreams mean? But um, basically, the lyrics in, in that, well, in the poem, in the song, um, were basically me kind of alluding to the comparison between when you're in a dream, you're the main character in in a much more in, um, intense sense than you are in your own real life. You're very much a, a main character, um, which means that in your dream, literally everything actually really does revolve around you. When you're in real life, no, but in your dreams, yes, everything revolves around you. Yeah. And so that kind of is like, you could see that as you control everything or you are the centre of the universe and then you can make that comparison to being a god in your dream. You are the one who controls the environment, the the scenario, and all that shit. So basically the lyrics, um, like, laying on the cotton plank, so the mattress, nails dr drive through my palms and blood pours down my forehead is like Christ. Um, but you're being nailed into the bed. You're paralysed in bed. You're asleep. Um, and then what good is being god if you are bound to one place is... I'm only God when I'm asleep. I don't have control of my life until I'm asleep mm. because I can't even control when I fall asleep. When I fall asleep, 
suddenly I'm in control mm. and and stuff like that. It's it's a very strange. I don't even know how to like explain it myself. It makes sense when you read it. That's the best way to put to put it. When you read the lyrics, it, it's this kind of um, like I don't know. It's it's a very um, it's a song that kind of unravels as it goes along, and it's like I'm making new conclusions with every verse. Like mm. it goes from, I'm not God here, I'm an angel. No, a cloud. Um, a cloud can't be touched and a cloud cannot bleed. And um, this idea that I can't get hurt in my dream mm. the same way I can get hurt in real life. And a cloud cannot feel, meaning nothing that's happened to me right now is actually going to impact me. But in real life, someone could do something very, very little to me and, and I'll be thinking about it for weeks because that's the kind of person I am. Mm. And it's basically just the the philosophy of of dreaming and being asleep, essentially. <laughs> it's a really interesting concept. It's not really something I'd, I'd, I'd uh, thought about. Do you, when you're like, uh, so you're saying that you write poetry, hmm. and are you sort of like a lyrics first kind of person? I'm all over the place. You just do a mix, mix, mix Sometimes stuff. it starts off with the production. Sometimes it starts off with a piano motif or a, a drum beat. Sometimes it starts off with lyrics. Sometimes it starts off with a melody. It's literally all over the place. Yeah. I'm not one of these people that has that uh, stupid idea that <laughs> that the moment that you've you've got you've reached um uh, an obstacle in songwriting that you should stop and trash it. There's loads of people that have this idea that like you're in the middle of the song. If you've not finished writing the song within the next hour, then you need to trash it. Oh, and I'm like, that's a bit weird. I got told that in sixth form. What? Yeah, doing music in sixth form. That's nonsense. It is. Tis nonsense. Tis <laughs> bare nonsense. But um, it's basically I've I've got like little verses that just sit in a bank of of shit I've got. Yeah. And then one day I'll be writing one song and I'll be like, oh, you know what would go with that? That'll that one there. I did earlier. Because I'm always writing lyrics about all sorts of different things. And then s- suddenly I can make a song out of all this. It's like Jenga. I just shove them all in, make a, make a little Jenga tower. But yeah, that's essentially... A lyrical Jenga tower. A lyrical Jenga Beautiful. And when you're, like, do you, uh, when you're like writing all this stuff down, is this to sort of like help you process stuff? That's, does it help oh, you process things? Yes. I, Getting it down on paper? My, my whole... Um, my whole life... I've... I've had a lot of mental like illness issues and and um I'm obviously as an autistic person it's almost it's almost part and parcel with being autistic these days that we are all suffering from a mental illness because we don't get treated very nicely uh, <laughs> but um essentially uh I never received any proper uh help with any of my mental health issues mm. because I mean when you've got that many things going on with you it's very strenuous you could be on a waiting list for god knows how long and you know for me it, the, the most important thing was just get the autism diagnosis out the way and then whatever comes comes sure. um and also I, I i had um an eating disorder when i was 16 and that was horrendous um and i didn't get any therapy for that it just didn't come with the issue yeah yeah right. why why um it's a mental illness but um yeah so basically um when i wrote i never get what i want from love and that whole ep that was me coming out of the eating disorder i was in kind of recovery kind of relapsing every so often mm. um i had bulimia and um basically it it's it it's a very difficult eating disorder to recover from sure yeah um like even now sometimes i still have relapses but um you know, I'm, uh, thanks to me discovering this way of, of coping with my shit, um, I've gotten a lot fucking better. Yeah. Because the, the, when you externalise your thoughts, suddenly it's not like you're looking at it from your perspective. It's like you're looking at it f- from an outside perspective. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need because as much as I know for a fact people who have mental illness, we fucking hate when people tell us what to do. We fucking hate it. <laughs> people are like, oh, just go fucking go for a jog. Fucking read a book. You know, we fucking hate it. But when sometimes you just fucking need it. And especially if it's if it's you seeing it from the outside, you can then gain that clarity. And you look at it and you go, wow, why was I thinking like that? Yeah. And you sympathise, especially if you've left a song for, for a very long time and you look back at the song 
like the, that first EP I made, I look back at those and I'm like, why did I let myself get treated like that? Mm, yeah. And suddenly things start to unravel and, and you slowly begin to, to heal a lot of wounds. And for me, the most therapeutic part of doing music is when I get to release it. That's the best part because it's like, oh. So it's out there. The burden oh. is held until it's released. Oh, interesting. It's like I, the meditation on my experiences is happening during the writing, the producing and, and all that stuff. And I get so eager to release because, and I know, I know that it's time for me to let go of those feelings. Right, yeah, yeah. When I start feeling like, I want to put this out there. It needs to get out there. I, I start getting tired of listening to it because I am so done with the attitude I had at the time when I wrote it. And that's one of the things, when I made Akuma, I um, made a post about it and I said in in the caption for it that like the attitudes that I express in, in Akuma might not actually be how I feel now, but it was definitely how I felt and that's still valid. Mm. It still meant something. Yeah. And I don't want people to listen to it and think... Yeah, I'm gonna. I've got this attitude, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna feel like that because a lot of it is just very like. Um, it's just not the like the bright way to be put in your head when you're in the situations that 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 EP talks about. Mm. It's mainly a vehicle for um, the empathy more than it is a vehicle to influence anyone. But sure. yeah, but yeah. Anyway, second, the third song, mm. <laughs> third song, um, Pathology. Pathology is a very heavy one. It's got a lot of layers. Um, it's basically, I, w- <laughs> I was watching, um, I don't know if you've heard of Iyanla. I- I- How do you spell that? I-Y. Oh God, I'm running out of room eh? <laughs> I-Y. Oh, e- A-N. 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 L A, I think. Uh, I don't know if I'm spelling that right. What what is it? It's, it's a show that's on the Oprah Winfrey network. <laughs> Oprah and Winfrey has a network on on YouTube as well. Oh no! But way. basically, okay. um, this very um, wise woman um, helps families heal from traumas and um, shit that's going on in mm. their lives, or grudges that children still hold to their parents, and all this stuff. She goes in. And she tries to help them and explains things to them and helps them make like steps towards healing. And I've been watching, I was binging it. And then the concept that she brought up was family pathology, which is the concept that trauma and um, things that you are like uh, more likely to have problems with are inherited from generation to generation. Okay. So in my family, We've got, a, I mean, I don't know if I want to get into all of it, but we've got shit. There's shit. Yeah. There's shit going on there. We've got some shit going on. We've got some on. shit. Yeah. Um, but um, essentially, I started unraveling it all. And in my head, I was like, fuck. Like, I'm going to end up the same way if I don't sort my shit out. Mm. And I could already see it happening at the time that I'd found this content. And, um, it really helped me. It didn't only help me figure out my own issues and, and where to start correcting them, but it also made me have a lot more empathy towards my parents. Okay. A lot more. Because one thing that can happen, because my, my parents are split up, and one thing that can happen a lot for kids whose parents are split up is you can feel a lot of resentment mm. toward both of your parents because maybe one parent you feel like isn't providing enough for you even though they're trying their best, but you can't have that perspective because you're not them. Sure. Like my my mother is, doesn't just have me. She has me. She has my sister and my brother and we all have special needs. Mm. And she works a part-time job and, you know, all this shit. Um, and barely, barely makes ends meet. But when I was younger, I had this kind of un... Uh, dealt with resentment for both of my parents but at one time for my mother because when you're a kid you want to feel protected you want to feel like you're safe you want to feel like you're stable and as much as I knew that she wanted it for me she couldn't provide that at the time Mm. and it made me feel like I wasn't being looked after even though I was it's just when you're a kid you feel like that Mm. and when I started unravelling these things I started having just more empathy and understanding 
like that everyone on this planet is inherently good. No one is born a bad person. No. And it also helped me have a lot more empathy for my father. My, my, my father, I had the first proper conversation with my father on my 20th birthday. And all of a sudden, everything started to fucking click. And I was still like, we're exactly the same. We are exactly the same. Me and my dad are so similar. And now I've got way more love for him than I ever have, even though we're in a much more difficult situation than we ever had been. Yeah. It's weird. But basically, that, that song is about that, that realisation that you've been caught in a loop and you've been doing the same things and re- repeating the same behaviours and perpetuating the continuation of sorrow, that addiction to pain mm. in your life. And it's also about forgiveness. And forgiveness is such a tricky topic for people who've experienced trauma because at no point do you ever want to forgive the person who hurt you and really fucked you up. You You don't ever want to forgive them. But you have to stop looking at it as forgiving the action and look at it as I'm giving myself permission to let go. I'm giving myself permission to stop letting this have such a grip on me. It doesn't make what happened okay. It doesn't mean it's not it's still not going to hurt me, but it's about getting ready to move on. And that's why I say when I release music, it's that release. It was that was the moment where I knew, yeah, I'm I'm over this now. Mm. I need to just fucking get on with it. But yes. <laughs> that's what that song's about. <laughs> that's what that song's about. Um yeah, and then uh codependent. Codependent is another very complicated. All of my songs are fucking complicated. But <laughs> That's good. Co- code codependent is a very complicated song. Um codependent is about this kind of back and forth of guilt and this um kind of feeling that you are owed shit. It's like um if you're in a relationship and that that person isn't quite like they don't know how to deal with some of the shit you've got going on which at the end of the day we can never ever feel bad bad about the fact that people have that 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 we we can't we can't not like people mm. for maybe not getting shit yeah yeah cuz some people have just are very lucky and have had very calm lives yeah that's it, um yeah. It's no fault of their own, um, but um, you may, like you're in a relationship with someone who who maybe hasn't experienced the same things as you and stuff, and sometimes you can feel a bit isolated. You can feel a bit like fuck. If they don't understand me, then who the fuck will? Mm, yeah. And um, there's this kind of feeling of you should make time to understand everything I'm going through, but then on the flip side, understanding that you literally cannot help the fact that they have not experienced the same things you've experienced. And no matter of Googling... It's going to make <laughs> It's going to make up it. for that. Yeah. It's, it's a whole thing of this kind of entitlement mixed with the guilt that you know that if you ever aired these thoughts out loud, you'd realise how horrendous they are. Mm. Because... There are things in in that song that I would never say t- to a person in an actual conversation. Things like you could make the time to fix it, you just want to be oblivious. But I but that's just the little voice in my head trying to tell me that everybody's got it out for me and they all want to hurt me mm. from from trauma. That's how how it all happens. So the whole the whole process of that song is basically me explaining why I'm having these thoughts and that that lyric at the end um where it's um I don't want to be a victim I've been so humiliated that's why I've been AWOL lately why not take advantage of me it's look at how much of a shit situation I'm in I am so f- fucking mentally fucked why wouldn't you hurt me mm. I am in no position to stand up for myself right now it's it's the fear of pushing forward with a relationship because you feel so vulnerable and you don't want what happened to you before in a relationship to happen again. Yeah. Because you're still the same person you were when that happened. And it's like your brain is tricking you into thinking that this person is going to do the same things that that person did. So, yeah. (laughs) That's what that song's about. Nice. (laughs) Nice is good. I mean, hearing you talk about all the 
tracks now mm. kind of makes me like look at it in a different way but again going back to like you know the, the artist you were referencing in the first half um and sort of talking about that sort of genuinity and that realness mm. from those artists i think that's what it is that's fine that makes your music so attractive and so alluring it is that you are you're you're wearing your your heart and your sleeve thank you, you know what i mean <laughs> it def- i definitely feel yeah that's what what's so fucking great about it so <laughs> thank you for like you know talking about that stuff um have you got anything coming up anything that you want to tell people about Nothing. what's in the well, pipe works in the pipe works is some stuff but i i can't I can't say what it is. Oh, it's but a it's secret. exciting though. It's very exciting. Um, Do we know when this exciting thing is going to be happening? So no. <laughs> um, You're so mysterious. I know. I'm so mysterious. <laughs> Tell everybody my life story in like five. <laughs> but um, yeah, basically some cool stuff. Uh, to to put it in a in a way, I am going to be heading down to London a few times over this year. So that's the clue. That's Ooh, the only clue you're getting. Right. But that's essentially what's going on. Okay, nice. And if people want to find out what this mysterious thing is, where would they find out? Where would they follow you? They would find that out on the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> find it out. Uh, um, in- Instagram is Carmen121001. Um, and uh, my YouTube is Carmen, and then all my streaming services is Carmen. Again, K-A-R-M-A-N. Nice. Just making sure, because some people just don't know how to spell my name. But yeah, K-A-R-M-A-N. <laughs> That's my name. It's been an absolute pleasure. I do have one more question for both of you before Ooh, we nice before we wrap this Whoa. sucker up. If you could sum this podcast up in three words, what would it be? Shit, you go first. Please. Go on, Ella. Just whatever I'm comes to mind. I'm bad at summarising things. I'm a waffler. <laughs> I'm a waffler too. Um, goosebumps. Oh. Yeah. Gut wrenching. Aww. Seeing yours. And genuine. Three Gs. G G G G P. Oh, G G G. A little bit of alliteration for you. Very nice. We stand. What you got, Carmen? Uh. Nerve wracking. <laughs> um, testing my social awareness. That's not one word, but we'll, we'll put. One. No, we'll put. Yeah, we'll put dashes between <laughs> all them. And tea. Tea, all over a good cup of tea. Delightful. Well, thank you very much, Carmen, for coming on. Thank it's you been a pleasure. Your music is fucking awesome. Mm. Ella, thank you for introducing me to Carmen. It's my absolute pleasure. Where can people find out your all the things that are going on with Where Are The Girl Bands? We are at Where Are The Girl Bands on Instagram, which is where we do all of our stuff. Um, any gigs, any reviews, any interviews, that will all be on there. We also are doing some stuff on Spotify at the moment. Oh. We have a little podcast of our own with an organisation called Comics Youth, where we're talking to organisations in Merseyside who create safe spaces. So that's pretty cool. You can cool. check that out. And yeah, that's about it from us, really. Just all all Instagram. Lovely stuff. So people at home, go and... Where are we? Over there. People at home, go and check out both of these lovely people's things that are going on. They're both brilliant, creative individuals. And we will see you again next week for another episode where we're collaborating with We're The Girl Bands. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to catch up on new episodes every week. Also, check us out on our Facebook and Instagram at Rec Rooms, where you can find out about our other exciting music series. We also have this and all our other episodes of the podcast up on our Rec Rooms YouTube channel for your viewing pleasure. See you next time.